Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today I wanted, I thought it would be a fun topic for us to um, talk about finishing up a project or like doing that last 1% that definitely doesn't take 1% of the time you spend on a project. Like the, the, the energy and the effort and the willpower it takes to f- just get over that last little bit is definitely you know, massively disproportionate for um, launching a software product. And you, you get better at it the more you do it, which I think is something hopefully that I can say that is, uh, if I found in my own experience and is hopefully encouraging, if, this is, if you're coming to um, development fa- you know, fairly, if you're fairly new to this, that it's, it's totally normal for that, fit, that last little bit of a project where it's like it's almost done, but isn't quite done, isn't quite released, um, to feel like it takes forever. And, and part of it, I think, in a weird way, is it's like the, the term software release um, is is very aptly named because software isn't so much finished as it is like slowly tugged out of our hand and eventually we just release our grip and it <laughs> flies out into the world. Like it, it 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 is never this thing where at least I've never had the experience where I feel like I have created this perfectly formed um, this perfectly formed thing that I am now presenting out into the world. It's like at some point you just have to say this is good enough. I'm going to put this out and I will fix all the bugs or the issues or the problems um, later. And I think we've talked many times in episodes previously about the importance of getting something out um, into the world because you can get feedback, you can validate your the idea, make sure that you're actually building something people want or not missing like whole aspects of the sort of the problem domain that you're trying to solve that you're just unaware of because you're stuck in your own little world. Um, but anyway, but more importantly, I think what it would be interesting to focus on for today is some of the little aspects of doing that, of the things that you have to do in that last, um, that last 1%. And the first thing that I think is worth talking about is deadlines. Um, this is especially complicated, I think, being, if you're, if you're doing this project by yourself or with just, you know, with one or two other people, um, and it isn't something where you have an externally imposed deadline, you know, it's not that you're doing consulting for a client and the client has said, you know, by this date, you need to have done this or, you know, you won't get paid or you'll have, there'll be some kind of penalty. Like there's, a, if there's an external deadline you, that sort of takes care of itself. But if you don't have one of those, and I'm, what I've found for myself is that if I don't have some kind of deadline in mind, and maybe it's slightly squishy, but it shouldn't be so squishy that it's not a deadline. Like it still should have some some weight behind it. Um, I find it very hard to really get there because there is something. Uh, I think it's Parkinson's law. It's one of those like management laws where it's like work will expand to fill the time allotted to it. Basic. So if you give yourself another month, you will find a month's worth of work to fill that with. And if you give yourself another two months, you will, it'll fill indefinitely. And if you don't have a deadline, like you will just keep filling with work forever. Um, it's this never ending, like inflating balloon. And so you have to, at some point, put a line on it and say, you know, I'm going to get it done by here. Um, that's something that I found really helpful with this is to start to try and, and talk to other outside people about your launch. Um, so whether this be someone in the press with friends, whoever it is, and like start talking around a date. Like I have a December 12th as the date that I'm going to launch uh, workouts plus plus 2.0. Like that's something that I've started to, you know, sort of socialize and talk to talk about to different people. And now that that's a thing in the world, like 
it changes it from this vague amorphous thing to something that I have this like personal ownership of making happen. Um, and if I didn't have that, I feel like I would just keep working on this app forever, which is not good for anybody. It's far better to draw a line, you know, cut what I need to cut, narrow it down so that I can get it, get it out there and then start, you know, iterating on the version that's out in the world rather than just kind of getting stuck, um, with, without a deadline, without a, without any sense of, you know, end in mind. Yeah. I mean, I have found that most of my releases have basically been, I've basically been working, you know, all month or year or six months or whatever, working for a very long span on a, a kind of unending list of features that, that like everything is like, Oh, I, I if it would be nice if I had time, I can do this. And very few of the features are actually required. <laughs> and, and so the amount of time that I'm working on these releases is pretty open-ended. And without any kind of external deadline imposing on me, like the release of a new version of iOS or a new Apple hardware or something like that, um, they would just go on forever. And usually when I do finally release something, it is planned almost no time in advance and it's one day I just kind of, I'm like, you know what? I'm just, I'm done. I just want this to be out there. I'm, I'm tired of it not being released. So I'm just going to release it like tomorrow or something like that. Like, you know, just a, a kind of arbitrary decision of, okay, I just need to get this out there. You know, enough is enough. Um, but, but a lot of times that, you know, it takes me a long time to get to. Do you think that kind of slightly arbitrariness to it works in your favor or is it like a problematic like it seems like it could go both ways that in some in some ways it's helpful because you're not creating this sort of any internal stress that about something you're just kind of working working and at some point you're just like you know this is good and just ship it like is that do you find that to be helpful or is that problematic it's one of the many ways that i think and work that are probably not ideal but that also i probably will never change about myself so I just have to basically, you know, take the good and the bad that comes with it. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of things that are bad about uh, this this kind of capricious or rash decision making. Sometimes it's not a good time to release that thing, it turns out, which I find out later. Um, or sometimes, you know, it would have benefited from uh, a, a stronger and more considered marketing push, maybe. Um, but the reality is that I also then am rarely in the position where I have to wait forever. I'm rarely in the position of designing myself into such a corner or having such a huge list of what needs to be done by before the release uh, that that it never comes out. Like no one's ever waiting years for an overcast update. The the way I work ensures that something will get released on a fairly regular interval, and I will never know until it's actually released what features you know will end up making it before that before that deadline comes or not. The the self imposed arbitrary you know, deadline that was declared two days ago. Yeah. Cause I think that I would, I think I, I find that I need something a bit more than that. There's certainly small, like small feature updates or bug fixes and stuff where, yeah, it's, it's not, there's not a sense of kind of planfulness with it, but I think the something that I would struggle with, with your approach is the sense of like, I find my apps whenever, like when I start to work on anything big, the overall quality of the app from a stability or a, a bugginess perspective like drops somewhat precipitously and then it'll gradually work its way back up to good again you know over over the course of time and i feel like 
I, for me anyway, I find it's, it's important to have something in mind that I know how, like how much time do I have to keep breaking things, uh, before I have to switch things around to just fixing things. And that might just be the way that I develop that. Like I tend to, you know, break, I, I tend to sort of take everything apart and then put it back together again. Um, rather than being fixing things, it's in, in a way that, um, is it probably a bit more elegant or straightforward where, you know, if, if something isn't done, it could just be left out or at no, at any point, you know, I know you, this happens, you hear about this a lot with web development type of things where, you know, sort of everything that's in your master branch is always ready for production and nothing that touches that is, you know, should ever not be, be ready for that, which is like the opposite of what I do. I just have, you know, it's like things go, go, go from, great, horribly broken, back to great, back to horribly broken for me. And so I need that some sense of um, this, some sense of endpoint that I'm aiming at in order to get things turned around and fixed. Um, otherwise, I'd find myself in a lot of trouble if I was like, you need to release this in two days. It's like, I have no, I need like a week to put it all back together again. You know, I've, that's, but that's just might just be the way that I work. Yeah, I do the exact same thing um, at that. But like, you know, it basically like when i decide enough is enough i need to release this um that just becomes my my number one to-do item is just let's close all this back up again let's fix what's broken i mean you know if if too much is broken and i can't do that quickly then okay i won't release it yet you know but usually the things that i break horribly are the first things that i fix in in the middle you know during a uh, during a development cycle for release and then everything after that is either minor polish items which are easy to basically like knock them all out and clean it up like in one or two days at the end once you decide you're done um or additional features that aren't really necessary or that are more self-contained so that like if i have to disable an entire feature for a release and just ship it later you know i can do that fairly easily with like you know preprocessor macro <laughs> definitions or commenting out some things or or things like that um but, but that that doesn't usually come to that uh for me for whatever reason usually whatever i make i ship soon afterwards um because I, i've gotten pretty good at like the mad rush at the end to just polish all the rough edges and fix the remaining bugs of what i have and then just ship what i have um but it, it's it's more of a of a modes of a mode switch for me to stop making new stuff at that point and to just only focus on making what i have releasable yeah and i, I think it sounds like we there's this there's a similarity that i have where as I'm developing, I tend to have like a, a very high level sort of feature list of kind of the things that I'm trying to accomplish in an update or in a release. Um, and then at a certain point, I switch from that kind of a sort of to-do list to what I call kind of a punch list, which I think is a, a like term from construction for yeah. like when they're like when you're kind of fin- finished finishing up a house, but um, you you switch to this kind of this different mode where the only things that are on your list are things that need to be fixed. Um, you're no longer creating anything. All you're doing is fixing things that are broken, and so it changes the nature of it because that list, hopefully anyway, sort of by but my necessity will shrink to zero over time. Whereas your feature list or your idea list or your 
kind of your more creative list can grow indefinitely and probably should grow indefinitely in some ways. Like it's great when you can have come up with new ideas for your app, when you can come up with like, you know, it's, it's awesome that when you, you start using something for a while, then you're like, hey, what if it did this? What if it did that? Like those are awesome. But I have to force myself to start like right now I have two lists in my sort of to-do list manager. I have one for the punch list for workouts plus plus 2.0. And then I have the like everything else list and any, any idea or fe- feature, anything that I have, that's an idea for workouts plus plus at this point, um, that isn't fi- actively fixing a problem in the app right now goes onto the second list and won't be looked at until I get this release out. The only thing that's on my list now is all these sort of broken items, anything that needs to be dealt dealt with. And you, I tend to get into a nice sort of cycle with those where I'll sit down, I'll try and knock out, you know, three or four of those. I'll do, um, sort of do a, either an internal beta or, you know, maybe send it out to a few people, go, go, go through the app, see if anything's broken and repeat. And it tends to, in a good way, sort of narrow in nicely where, you know, you just maybe the first, when I first started, when I first switch over from feature to punch list, uh, maybe, you know, I have 40 items on my punch list, like lots of things are a little broken. And then, you know, I just sort of do, do a cycle through. Now there's 20 things and now there's 10 things. Now there's five things. Now there's three things. I'm just going to have to live with those in a ship. Like that pattern seems to work pretty well for me. Um, and it's important, I think more importantly, rather than like how you do that, is having that mindset switch where at the end you have to have the discipline to say, I'm not going to add any more features at this point. Like I, it it's now it's just fixing stuff. Cause if you don't draw that line at some point, like it just sort of, it just expands forever. But if you, but having that mindset switch to, is this broke, is it broken or is it, a, is it an enhancement? And if it's an enhancement, it goes in the next bucket. And it's important, I think, to have that other bucket. Like I would drive myself crazy if I didn't, have a place that I knew I was going to look at that idea in the future um, because I want to build it. I want to do that. But it's like I need to have a place to say, you will look at that, you know, whatever. In my case, like on December 13th, you can look at that feature. You can look at that um, idea and work out if it's a good idea. But for right now, if it isn't broken, then it's not going to get fixed. Speaking of knowing when things are broken, our sponsor this week is Pingdom. You can monitor your websites and servers. Start today at pingdom.com slash RelayFM. You will get a 14-day free trial. And when you enter offer code RADAR at checkout, you'll get 30% off your first invoice. Pingdom is focused on making the web faster and more reliable for everybody by offering powerful and easy-to-use monitoring tools and services. So, for example, you can monitor the availability and performance of your server, database, or website by using more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as once every minute. Websites are so sophisticated and potentially complicated these days and very often include several different dependencies such as contact forms, e-commerce checkouts, logins, search, so much more. And Pingdom makes it possible to monitor the availability and performance of all of these key interactions people have with your site. Because stuff breaks on the internet all the time. Every month they detect 13 million outages at Pingdom. That is more than 400,000 outages a day. So whether you have a small site or you're managing a complete infrastructure, it is very important to monitor its availability and performance. And Pingdom is great. I have used Pingdom 
since long before they were a sponsor. I used them all the way back at, at Tumblr, and I, went, I as soon as I set up Instapaper, I set up Pingdom immediately. Then I went, as, soon as, as soon as I set up Overcast, I set up Pingdom there. Um, it, it is wonderful. I've used it all this time because it is great. I love knowing when stuff is slowing down or broken or down. It is very, very useful to know because you want to know before all your customers or your audience finds out. You want to know that first you can go fix it before too many people see it. So all you do is give Pingdom a URL to monitor. If you want any kind of custom conditions or logins, you can do that too, but you don't need to. They take care of the rest. You are immediately notified, whatever means you want, SMS, push notification, email, uh, and you can fix the error before too many people see it. Check it out today, pingdom.com slash RelayFM for a 14-day free trial. And use code RADAR at checkout to get 30% off your first invoice. Thank you to Pingdom for supporting this show and RelayFM. So as we're recording, you just released uh, Forecast, your MP3 encoder, metadata manager, chapter maker tool uh, to the world finally. And I know this has been a long time coming. Uh, I don't know exactly when you started working on this tool, but it seems like it was forever ago. Um, and I was curious if you had any thoughts about what got you through that last 1% to finally actually ship it, put it out in the world. Um, and you know, sort of start that next phase of its life lifespan. I've I'd wanted to release Forecast for a while, um, I, and I, I had waited in part uh, for the MP3 patents to expire. Uh, the last of which expired this past spring, so I could have released it really any time after that uh, safely, um, and I intended to. <laughs> but then, basically, throughout the um, summer and fall, Overcast was basically on fire. <laughs> you know, be, between ios 11 and drag and drop and then the iphone 10 overcast has been consuming almost all of my development time i have i have touched forecast very little in the last year um just because overcast just was was um needier than i expected Um, and so what finally pushed me to release this i mean i've been using this you know both myself and in in a small private beta with some of our friends who are also podcasters um for for like two years (laughs) <laughs> and and so I knew like the the functionality of it worked. The app still had a rough edge, you know, a bunch of rough edges, and it still does uh, because it's a Mac app. And I am terrible at making Mac apps, and I'm very very new to it. Uh, app Kit is very little like UI Kit. <laughs> it's very different, um, and uh, and it's there's still a lot of legacy to be aware of, a lot of rough edges, a lot of things you have to consider. Um, a lot of functionality that is simply just doesn't work. <laughs> and, uh, and, and iOS has a lot of this too, but I know what it is on iOS. I've been there for so long. I, you know, I have a lot of experience there. On the Mac, it, it's all new to me. It's all unfamiliar. And the amount of available help on the Mac is way smaller. You can't just like, you know, do a web search for some problem you're having and get a thousand you know, Stack Overflow results about the answers. No, like for Mac problems, you're lucky to get one. You know, you might even get you might get two, maybe, but you're probably only gonna get zero or one answer to what you're looking for, um, and it might be on some ancient mailing list that's impossible to skim or, or find. So, it, Mac development is very slow going. Um, so, part of why I haven't released it yet is, is because it wasn't the, the app wasn't very pretty or or you know polished, and so I I was afraid to release it, you know, because I, I was afraid that people would judge it on these superficial but still important qualities that I'm just not very good on the Mac yet, and I might never be. Um, so that was part of it. But, you know, 
our conversation last week was a pretty big motivator for me to go into let's just release this mode um (laughs) because you know last week we basically you know i I talked with you about how it, it how i decided basically that it should be free because it has benefits to me beyond just money like it, it benefits overcast it benefits podcasts as a whole um you know it saves people time and it can generate a lot of goodwill for overcast so i i figured like based on that rationale if it's going to be free then i don't I, I have a lot less to worry about i can pull out a lot of like weird license checking code and i don't have to worry about like in-app purchases or the Mac app store or anything like that, like, uh, or uh, some, building some kind of storefront for the website and then supporting paid, like the, the number of things you have to do and worry about and manage if it's free drops down tremendously. And then also I figured like, well, I want to start accruing those benefits. Now all those benefits are going to have to overcast and to podcasting and everything. Like, why keep this private any longer? Like this is probably good enough to release for free right now. And so I basically went into, you know, punch list mode, as, as you said, like I, I fixed the few remaining bugs. I cleaned up, I, I disabled some experimental stuff that, that, that I decided was a dead end. Um, I, you know, po- polished up some of the, some of the rough edges and I released it. Now the process of releasing a Mac app when you've mostly not released a Mac app before, um, I, I did release quitter before. So I have one Mac app that, doesn't even have a window really oh no it does i guess the preferences window but yeah like it's one very small mac app that lives in the menu bar and does very little so that was a little bit easier um but when you release apps outside of the mac app store and and i you know i don't want to get too too much into that but once i decided that this was not going to be paid um the mac app the argument to to be in the mac app store basically evaporated um because it's you know the, the complexity of doing that and maintaining a different version uh, that was sandboxed versus not sandboxed for the you know it it was it was not gonna it was not worth it and maybe down the road it will be but right now it's not um, so I decide but when you when you're not in the Mac App Store you basically have to build iTunes Connect from scratch for yourself like I, I think us iOS developers have uh, have we we take a lot of things for granted and like things like updates <laughs> like how do you how does your app update itself if it's not in an app store uh and so you know what mac apps do is they have this, this framework called sparkle usually that that is like the auto updating fr- framework that everyone has seen the windows of um but maybe do you maybe to know what it's called but all almost all apps use this on the mac um but you have to then have an rss feed on your server that tells the app installations like what version is available you have to have have a like signature workflow on it to sign your updates to make sure that it's coming from you and and then you have to have some kind of way to manage these builds and validate them and and so before when i was just doing the forecast beta and when i'm and for quitter i just have a couple of local shell scripts that do all this and and it's kind of it's it's pretty crappy but it's pretty basic needs on those um for forecast it's an overcast product so, so i decided it should be part of the overcast website and that i wanted some kind of web management panel to do these things so i so i so like basically yesterday i built all of this i basically built myself a a crappy small limited version of itunes connect um nice. that, that like i upload a build it reads the p list it you know pulls out the keys for like build number and version number and everything 
and it sticks it all in the database and I can edit the release notes, which is also good because then I can provide a version history on the website very, very easily because it's all in the database. Um, so, you know, edit the release notes for it, be able to publish it or, or have it not be published yet. Um, I'm going to next, I'm going to create a beta channel, <laughs> which I haven't done yet, but it's basically just, you know, and not even to the, to the level of sophistication iTunes can have, just like a granularity of like, is this version on the beta train or not? <laughs> And then have a separate feed for that. Um, then it's all on the Overcast site, and then it runs through the Overcast CDN, so I don't have to worry about like download, you know, overloads or overages. Um, so I, it, it was a lot of work to build all that. But uh, and, and this is like it's one of those things like the first time you make a Mac app, you learn all this crazy stuff. I mean, just like you know, I guess similarly, the first time somebody makes an iOS app, and they learn about like all the provisioning stuff that you have to do and certificates and everything else so i guess it isn't it isn't that different of a of an amount of work uh but you know certainly the first time you build all this it's it's a lot and and, and this is all even easier because it's free like if it was actually paid and I, and I had my own storefront on my website i had to build that and manage that and that's not a small thing either um so there, there's a lot that you have to do in the mac world that you don't have to do in ios um at least if you don't do the app store and it's kind of made me, made me appreciate like, Oh, this is why people still use the app store. Like not everyone uses it. And a lot of big developers don't, um, because they have the resources not to, uh, but certainly if you, if you are a small developer and you just want to put something up, charge a few bucks for it or whatever, the app store is way easier than doing it yourself. It's not, not even close. Um, they, you know, they, I guess they, uh, they get that 30% for a reason. So ultimately it was a ton of work, almost none of which was the forecast app itself. Like almost all of it was putting together the infrastructure, making a page for it on the site, writing what's on the page, taking a screenshot, putting that on the page. Like it's all this, all this work that we have when we release a new app, especially if it's the first app for a certain platform that we've released. Um, There's so much work to do that, you know, it's like that last 1%, as you said, like the last 1% is, is, ridiculous when it's like your very first mac app that you've ever made like you make this happen somehow like it's so much work and it's nowhere near you know polished or done but it's it's close enough it's functional and so i just shipped it yeah, and i think too there's a more general point that i hear you saying is it's it's important to remember too that there may be a, a lot of things that you have to do before you even when you finally get to the point that you let go and say yep this is good enough i'm going to put this in the store like there is still like not the work is not done at that point um like you the work may be done in xcode like you may have you know finally uploaded your binary to itunes connect or in your case like overcast connect um (laughs) but like then you have all these other stuff that you have to do like are you going to do any kind of frequently asked questions or do you have to build a website for it um are you the thing like there's any kind of marketing materials even just the itunes connect kind of screenshotting and all that kind of stuff. Like if you have a localized set of screenshots, like it can take, it takes a good day for whenever I need to update my screenshots. Even when I automate a lot of it, like just because I, you know, I think pedometer plus plus is localized into 10 languages or something like that. And so if I have, you know, multiple five screenshots times 10, you know, times 10 languages times multiple devices, like (laughs) it just, it just goes crazy. And it's important, I think to keep that in mind too, that, 
if you have set a deadline and you have communicated that, that you need to leave buffer in your workflow so that you have time to do all this stuff that is... Um, that you, you sort of that has nothing to do with finishing the app. That you finally got your punch list down to you know good enough. You're you're done. It's like you still have a bunch of other stuff that you're going to have to do. And so just like leaving enough buffer in your schedule to actually do that is important. Like I know I've gotten caught out um, for iOS updates where it's like I feel like you know I'm, I'm working towards making it so that you know as soon as the Gold Master version of Xcode comes out and as soon as iTunes Connect opens up, I'm ready to go. And then I've forgotten that I'm like, I'm going to need a whole new set of screenshots. And so rather than, you know, submitting right that moment, I'm submitting like a day later. Um, and so that's just entirely poor planning on my part. Yeah, screenshots are, are my Achilles heel. They always take me, like, I always forget that I have to do them. And then at the very last minute, I'm like, oh, crap, I need to make 40 screenshots. <laughs> this, is, this is bad. And then, you know, then I have to figure out some way to try to automate some of it. I, I know there's tools out there to help with this, but I've never bothered to set one up. Um, and so it's, it's, that's a big deal. Um, I, I, this is one of the reasons why I haven't made app preview videos yet. I probably should make videos just to try them out. Um, but I haven't yet in part because that's a massive undertaking to add to this, uh, like to, to, to add like the production of an entire video to the list of things you have to do every time your, your, your UI changes like that's, or every time you, a new device comes out, that's a, that's a large amount of work. And so, you know, you, it has to be pretty compelling and I just, I haven't, had the time to do it yet but you know now you know forecast is out you know it's mostly stable I, you know i don't think i need to do a whole lot of work on it release wise overcast is pretty stable so i'm back in a good place now but but man that last one percent on both of those things was was killer yeah and i think the thing that's fun is like now you're in the place that is at least if anything if you're anything like me is the best part right now you can look at your big long feature list and you're like the reward for for battling through that last one percent is that you now have the opportunity to look at your like fun feature list and you know decide what's fun to work on next and like that's in a weird way it's like as an engineer like the the best reward for for for, for lots of hard work is more hard work <laughs> but at least it's like the fun work that i enjoy doing rather than the hard like the the grunt work that i don't enjoy doing as much exactly <laughs> all right we're out of time this week thanks for listening everybody and we'll talk to you next week bye